Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Simon Miller, as the title suggests. And the reason it's a very special edition is because a man that joined me a few months ago to an episode that was received very well and pleased me greatly. It is the one only Jim Sterling who joins me again to talk about pro wrestling. Jim, how are you doing? Like They're going to last for a month or two. But I'm really into the Bludgeon Brothers for as long as it lasts. <laughs> Dude. Hello, Simon. Hello. I, I tell you, man, I don't know what it was. So, you know, during the vignettes and during the build-up, I was like, okay, it's just cool to see Harper and Rowan back. It made me laugh a lot. The- like, like hammer-wielding, socially awkward druids. It, it, <laughs> I was sold on that alone. And I'm a big fan of masks anyway, in any circumstance. Sheep gas mask, I was all about. Absolutely. And did you see you saw them debut on SmackDown, I take it. I did, yes. I yes. loved it. I loved the presentation. I loved I mean, yeah, okay, they had to run over the hype bros, but that's no big surprise. But I guess you could argue that's a bit of a shame, but I don't care. Because I genuinely <laughs> got such a kick out of the entrance, the presentation, the finishing move. I was like, this is great. I love this. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like um, Harper anyway because he looks like my friend Ronnie. I mean, like exactly like my friend Ronnie. Excellent. Uh, which always delights me. Uh, but from what I've seen of him in the past, I've always liked his, you know, he does the, the wild-eyed stare thing so well. He has this this presence. Oh, yeah. And seeing uh, him and, um, like, Rowan together... Um, I, I agree with the common consensus that there was a, like a, a re-energized vibe to them. And yeah, yeah, I was just really pleased with it. And and I even liked the when they took all the druid clothes off, a lot of people were like, well, what's with that ring gear? Sort of reminded me of, um, they were a little canish in there. Yeah, attire. yeah, they were. Absolutely. And I was fine with that. It was this sort of rough black and red slash looking thing. It, I, it worked for me. I, I totally agree. And I think the reason I loved it so much is because it felt like a throwback to sort of late 80s, early 90s stuff. And it's been so long since we've had like a proper gimmick gimmick. Yeah. I got a, I got a real kick out of it because of course it's silly. I mean, why why did they film these vignettes in the woods? Like, that's never explained. Why are yeah. they out there in the woods? Because they just are. That's where they live. And I just that's feel like... That's what happens. Yeah. And I just... It just... It's such a nice, you know, because wrestling's cyclical, as we all know. And we're, I'm, I'm done with all the, the realism stuff now. I don't want that. I want nonsense and stupidity again. I'm, yeah, I'm, well, I'm, we talked a little bit about this last time, like when my initial view was that WWE especially was just a lot of just people. Yeah. Um, it's part of why I liked, um, why I like a lot of the, the women's division is there seems to be a little bit more defining characteristics between the the women wrestlers that they have at the moment. Um, but, yeah, seeing the Bludgeon Brothers come in, like, they've got big hammers. Why? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're right, it doesn't, though. And that's why I love it. None of it is explained. I mean, maybe WWE will do that over the next few weeks, but I hope they don't. Just accept it for what it is. We're in wrestling. Yeah. We're kooky characters. Deal with it. Because I think all that matters is when they're in the ring, they kick ass. And they're two massive blokes. So it's not like you're not going to get that impression regardless. And I think when you have that balance, you can kind of do whatever you want with the character. Uh, well, I mean, it, it's seen The Undertaker in good stead for a long time. Well, like, well, yeah, so long exactly, as you yeah. protect the... 
the character, it can be as outlandish as possible. Yeah. I mean, to outside as The Undertaker is ludicrous. Like, let's not... Like, let's... To not take any respect away from the man. To an outsider, that's a silly caricature, <laughs> a comic book thing, a cartoon. But over, you know, decades of build and protection and keeping that presence going, the fans buy into it. Um, and, and let's not forget that they... We look back on it badly now, but fans did buy into that moment when he rode down in a bike to her Limp Bizkit. Oh, man, they uh, went crazy, he, yeah. Yeah, he was still sort of committed to it and protected with it, like supported with it. It's it's a two-way street. It's the, the performers buying into it and, of course, the creative department supporting it. So as so long as the, the BBs get that, um, and, and I, I'm guessing their eventual program with uh, the fashion police, uh, then, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard. Uh, me too. I think it even ties in, and this is my, my awful attempt at a segue, but it still counts. It's almost like what they did you know, with Kurt Angle back in the early 2000s, because Kurt Angle, obviously, backstage on the microphone was a goof. And yet, when, when he was in the ring, he was such a machine. You were like, well, you can be as funny and as silly as you want, Kurt, because I know, you know, when it gets serious, for lack of a better term, you're going to be absolutely amazing. So you can get away with being funny and silly and goofy and wearing little mini cowboy hats on your head. Because I know you can kick ass. So I know you can be like that outside of the ring. Because really, what all that matters in wrestling is what you do inside the ring. And that's where your point about the booking committee treating people right. I mean, and obviously, Kurt Angle is back now. And seems to, now he's had a couple of matches, seems to be getting somewhat of a, of a mixed reaction just because a lot of people are like, oh man, Kurt Angle is old and broken. <laughs> maybe, we, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't have wished him back. I mean, what, what have you thought about it from you know, him coming? I know we chatted about it a bit before, but him coming yeah. back as GM and now he's had a couple of matches. I mean, a lot of people have turned, not, not in a negative way, more in a concerned way. Yeah, I, I, share, I share a lot of that. I mean, it doesn't help that sometimes... The whenever it cuts to him, same with Daniel Bryan, I guess it, they just need them in media res, so it always cuts to them checking their phone. Yes, so but with true. Kurt Ankle, I believe it. I believe that he spends the whole of Raw on his phone, like not bothered. Um, you know, I mean, what did he call Jinder Mahal? Like Jinder Mayhal? Oh, that's like, the best. Like I love that. Never watched SmackDown in his life. <laughs> um, he's got a little bit of that sort of doesn't seem all that invested as GM. Uh, and when he's in the ring, I mean, when I saw him at TLC, I I had that immediate, oh dear, this is, he, he, he looks tender the whole time. This is a bit of a worry. At Survivor Series, which, again, why is putting him in, you know, mixed competition, um, he, he, he seemed better. I felt like his performance there was was quicker and and less fragile looking than at TLC. Um, I don't know if that was on purpose or not, or if he just limbered up since TLC. Uh, better, but you obviously it's it's tough to see some of the classic stuff. Um, I think that's the problem, the classic right? Classic Kurt Angle stuff and compare it to now. Obviously, it's going to be different. Yeah. Um, wrestling is is one of the better reminders of all of our own frail mortality. Because you can see quick, strong, young guys over the course of their career become, you know, the opposite of quick, young, strong guys. And it, it sucks. But it's not like wrestlers are, are any different to 
human beings. <laughs> it's coming to us all, and you kind of have to face that when you so when you see some of this stuff. Um, but I don't want to. I don't. You know, I don't want to be mean or disrespectful to him. Like Kurt Angle when you know he he was having his big run when i became a big hardcore wrestling fan he had that hot that hot year and and i was mesmerized by the guy i just fell absolutely in love it was um I, we used to say among my friends it was um hooray kurt angles music is here fucking hooray he's holding a microphone as well it was like to see Kurt Angle and hear Kurt Angle and and just just everything about him was just magic. So for all that love and respect I have for him, I don't wish to uh, pour any scorn or derision on the guy. But it it, it it is that sort of concern tinged with, you know, it, it's a big massive comeback is is clearly not happening. There's, there's. I don't think there's a big second wind title run kind of thing. I think if he were to get a title run, it would be. I don't think history would look back too fondly on it. But in in the way they've been using him in matches right now, as sort of a, a marquee attraction in a, a, a sort of larger match, uh, I think that's really judging from what we've seen the the way to stay. I I agree, and I do think he suffers from how good he was you know, 15 years ago. And also how good he was during his TNA run. Obviously, not a lot of people know about that because nobody watched TNA. But you, know, <laughs> you, you could even argue that sort of his high points in TNA in terms of match quality were above what he did in WWE. I mean, that's horses for courses because they were amazing all around. But it, like, I think you've hit the nail on the head as well. When it comes to pro wrestlers, wrestling fans especially do kind of put them on a pedestal and they do make them superheroes. So when they, when they come back and they're not, to the same level that you think they're going to be simply because nostalgia is a powerful tool and you let yourself get carried away in the world of make-believe as it is. And in the world of make-believe, you think anything is possible. And then exactly when you realize, oh, no, wait, not only are they a human, but they're a human that's put their body through incredible strain over the last 20 or so years. Of course, there's only so much they're, they're going to do. And I, I, I think it's something that all wrestlers have to struggle with because in that Survivor Series main event too, it was the first time when I looked at Triple H and I thought... And I, I do like Triple H. I'm not sure how I felt about, about the, the whole ending focusing around him, but I do like him. And he does have that superstar appeal. But it was the first time I was like, you're getting old too. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you, you could see his shortcomings. And that to me was a huge, a huge, maybe maybe the reason it freaked me out so much is because it was a look into my own mortality. Again, I think that's what it is. Like I, I, I sometimes look at it from a selfish standpoint. Like you see you see the physical effects of age in in wrestling more than anything else because in a competitive you know in a in a an unscripted competitive sport once you hit a point where you can't realistically compete you're out you retire you're done in professional wrestling in WWE especially you get guys that just they they don't want to quit and because it's scripted they don't need to quit as as early, and so and and you know so we get a, a situation with Kurt Angle, who's, you know, poor guy broke his neck like a, half a dozen times I mean, at least, um, still able to compete uh, because uh, of of how the competitors look out for each other, 
so so there is that safety element that you don't get in a competitive sport where your opponent isn't looking out for your health and safety so much. Um, but it, it, it does give you this sort of a, a, a more drawn out sort of it, too many careers go out on a whimper uh, instead of a bang because they'll have their big retirement match, their, their, their glory swan song, but they always want to come back for just one more, which is admirable and, and often can be wonderful. But sometimes there, there's something to be said for the Steve Austin approach of, you know, I had my time. Now I'm going to cut very strange podcasts. <laughs> they have got weird recently. I used to really enjoy that podcast. Now he just does crazy stuff on it all the time. Yeah, my 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 main approach to that is just listen to the highlights on YouTube about his various clearly exaggerated stories about getting things stuck up his ass and oh, farting in gyms and things. He's a hilarious guy, but he's absolutely bonkers these days. But I think that actually makes him more entertaining. But you know what? I just think Austin and Shawn Michaels. That's the only two I can think of of people that probably called it a day before from a fan's point of view. You didn't really think they'd come to that that natural point. Other than that, I mean, even someone like The Undertaker, right? I mean, we don't know if he's properly retired or not, but I think, you know, during WrestleMania 32, it was a bit like, yeah, Taker, you you probably need to retire. <laughs> you probably need to retire and get some rest now and fix and fix that hip. Um, like, there's only so much that the the character can be protected when when physically you see the immortal phenom, the dead man significantly slower and older and 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 that it's not a knock on on age it's it's just like you know do it till you can't but but at some point that the mystique will go and you you risk your your final years your swan song being some terrible gimmicky rubbish you know uh, uh, doddering taking some weak chair shots because you can't take anything else you know yeah smoke and mirrors smoke and mirrors always comes into it and uh, because i think as well that's where we're building to with kurt angle and triple h i mean i I guess they're going to have a match at raw rumble versus raw rumble or or wrestlemania sorry and i would presume when that happens it is i mean remember i can't remember when you got back into it did you see sting versus triple h from mania 31 was it i think i i did go back and see it i I, i've gone back and and been doing my best to in between all the thousands of other things i do and trying to keep up with the information overload that is wrestling anyway exactly uh, and of course independent wrestling as well which which we'll, we'll talk about at some point we um, definitely will which i've been getting into because uh, i know some of the feedback from the last one was well he's not really a wrestling fan is he he watches wwe and i'm like mm, this, it's a fair point um i wouldn't claim to ever be an expert on the business anyway um i i, I know entertainment i don't know the other parts of that are attached to WWE. Um, but I've been sort of getting into looking at the indie stuff and, and everything as well. But I've gone back, had a look at some of the stuff. Uh, I did see Steam Triple H and the... And, and and it's this sort of initial... It's like a balloon being inflated and deflated very quickly when you hear the familiar music come out, when you hear now now and Sting and Triple H and uh, New Age Outlaws, you know, DX, all this stuff. It's this initial, oh, oh. Like it's, 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 hard, to, it's hard to see um, 
I guess because when when I first started watching, um, you'd see guys like uh, Ricky Steamboat come in to be like the joke cameo character in WrestleMania. Um, you know, oh, we need a moment. Let's get who have we got? Ricky Steamboat. Let's get um, uh, uh, our IRS. Let's get him all dressed up again. Uh, Rotunda, get your tie on. Uh, that, all of that, like <laughs> get your briefcase. But, yeah, get get the briefcase. T- say something about taxes. You know what to do. Um, and and you'd have this sort of parade of nostalgic characters. And it's hard now seeing the the guys I saw in their prime as the nostalgic characters. As the I'm gonna show up backstage at WrestleMania and like I remember when Farouk was more than show up once a year and shout damn. I, but I always think that because to so many people that's all he is. He's just some random dude that says damn. That's it. Nothing else. He's the damn guy. He's not you know part of the nation. He's not part of the the APA. Uh, he's just damn guy, uh, which is even weirder because he just started doing that as I was sort of drifting away from it. Uh, and now I, I go back and see that now he's become a sort of Pete Rose affair where he's he's trotted out every time to do his cartoon bit. Uh, the I didn't do it guy of WrestleMania, <laughs> uh, which, which is, you know, it, it the, the, the people watching it at the age I was watching it will look at them the way I would see, you know, an IRS character sort of, oh, I vaguely remember him from my childhood, but now I see him as, you know, he's dancing in the background of something. And, and that's hard to say and, and reminds me that I'm going to die. You're <laughs> <laughs> so, it's Probably so quicker true, than The Undertaker, to be fair. <laughs> but it's so true. I honestly think that's why we all react to it like this, because it is just one big signpost that says, don't forget you're going to die. You're like, ah, shit. <laughs> That's true. What do we do? Then you panic. And then maybe you're like me and you think, you know what? I know how to counter that. I'll become a professional wrestler. That's how I'll counter this life. I'll live all my childhood <laughs> dreams. Um, and so, then I won't want to stop. Exactly. And I'll be doing it when I'm 70 and I'll be Mickey Rourke in the wrestler. Exactly. And I'll die in the ring. And then I'll be like, I'm just one big parody of myself now, but never mind. Um, so what did you think of, of Survivor Series as a whole? Because... I mean, it did set up a lot for WrestleMania, or at least, set up, you know, what you'd assume is going to be storylines for the next few months. I actually, I actually thought it was, I, I enjoyed the show, but I completely understand the criticism that it had that when we got to the main event, it was as if we got in a time machine and gone back and gone back 15 years. While a lot of, uh, I call them younger wrestlers. They're not young at all. They're all, they're all in their mid thirties. No, like mid thirties to early forties. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's what made me laugh about them. Well, not laugh so much as, well, I say bitterly laugh about the Mickey James thing where I'm like, she's not that old. Yeah, like, yeah, she's exactly. two, two years older than me. <laughs> like she ain't old and she's younger than most of the guys. It was such a weird thing, but yeah, like, like a lot of the guys in there, it, it's not so much. I mean, this is the thing about, uh, that, that people misunderstand about, um, this sort of, uh, and again, and this is talking from an entertainment angle rather than a, a sporting angle, which obviously, I mean, look at, look at the state of me, I don't know nothing about the sporting angle of anything. Uh, but from an entertainment angle, um, it's not about youth. If you're still capable, then the age doesn't matter. If you're still absolutely, yeah. absolutely entertaining. But it's the freshness. Um, it's not so much that the human being is, new, is, is young. The character is young. Exactly. It's a young new guy. That's Bobby Roode and Nakamura are young in that they're fresh to this audience. They are experienced veterans 
the world over, and they are not young men, but they are young in this environment, in this climate, um, which is something that companies forget. Like, they, they build on one or two strong people and try and keep them as long as they can, uh, which leads to staleness. When really you want this sort of refresh rate, have guys up in the, you know, the, the top of the card, put them back down to the middle for a bit, let them cool off, pop them back up, just have this sort of rotational effect. And yeah, seeing seeing Triple H unnecessarily win a match <laughs> that revolved around feuding McMahons was like I'd never stopped watching. A hundred. I was like, this is the this is what I remember. This is now I'm up to speed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you've missed nothing. Yeah, it turns out all along I thought I'd missed so much, but in, in reality, nothing had changed. Triple H had won a match that he didn't need to win because McMahons were angry at each other again. It's just hilarious. <laughs> I think my favourite thing about it as well is that technically, when you look about how that finish went down, Triple H both won it for Raw and lost it for SmackDown. Like, he was responsible for literally everything that happened was because of Triple H's actions. And yes. I was just like... And I like Triple H. Like, I really, really do. Like, I've said it before on countless podcasts. I, he's the reason I wanted to start lifting weights because I was a young kid mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, he looks so cool and like a superhero. But I, it gets to a point where you have to be like, what is this going yeah. to serve down the line? Like, it's not. It's, especially if this is building to a Kurt Angle versus Triple H match, which I'd love to see, especially at WrestleMania, you know, somewhere in the middle of the card. That's a great showcase to have. But... If you then put all this stock in it here and you get to May next year and Triple H is going to be off TV, I don't think Kurt Angle will have another match for a long time, then you start going, well, why didn't you treat Finn Balor better? And why didn't you treat Samoa Joe better? And yeah, Bobby Roode and Nakamura and all these. That's, that's my worry. I think actually when you do start looking down the road, you do start to think, what are you going to do when we're not in peak season? Because you don't really seem to be planning for it. Yeah, I mean, Nakamura came on the scene well, obviously he had his his big major match was backlash uh, and to see him now aimless like relegated to a lumberjack man in 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 a lumberjack match along with Bobby Roode already that's crazy after right one you know sort of feud with with the Ziggler um to see them in as lumberjacks and extras in a lumberjack match like it's 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 not right. <laughs> well, no. It's just, it's not right from, from a, from again, from an entertainment standpoint, this is highly questionable. Absolutely. I think the other thing that really sort of worried me with the whole Lumberjack concept on SmackDown was that they would never, I know Randy Orton wasn't on the show, but I just mean in general, they never would have put Randy Orton up there because exactly. they, they know that it looks bad. So we can't put Randy Orton, he's too big a star. So the fact they don't see that already for people like Nakamura and Rude, I mean, to me, in that Lumberjack match, when Rude and uh, Baron Corbin got into it, that was a signifier to me. What, are they feuding now? So Bobby Rude's going to feud over, and instantly to me, that places him in that, you know, that segment of the card, which may be the right choice, I don't know, but I don't even think we're giving him a chance. And yet already we're already we're segueing into that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, hopefully he, he and Corbin can do something. Like, I'm actually pretty big on Corbin. Yeah, me too. I know he gets a lot of stick, but he's, he, he works a crowd well. I know his, his, his mic skills get criticised, but he doesn't need great... He doesn't need to cut big old promos. His simple 
grab the mic after a match and just rub it in people's faces that he won does everything that needs to be done i agree um he, i love his his the way he comes down to the ring like just holding the title in front of people's faces and pulling it away um even without the title just sort of seeming deeply wounded by the fans' reactions while putting on a veneer of not giving a crap about what they think, is is a great little character. Um, not the world's most original one, but he does it really well. Uh, so I enjoy him, and I like his little the little drift he does around the ring uh, the the ring post when he gets out off through the apron and then just slides back in. Yeah, it's a nice little nice little thing. No, I, I, um, he's got something. for a guy of his size. That's nice to say. Absolutely. I, I think he's got something like it, it gets into that kind of uh, diminishing returns thing, because the one problem I realize he has is I keep saying, oh, he's got potential. He's got potential, but potential's nothing unless it gets realized eventually. Yeah. But I, I still think he's got I think he's got time because, I mean, he's lucky in the sense that he's WWE made. So they're always going to have a soft spot for him. And I think it's quite clear that when it does come to people that are made elsewhere, be that Nakamura or Rude, you do run that risk of, well, you have a shorter lifespan to really make an impact. And if you don't make that impact, then they'll be like, ah, we knew it. You know, stick him, stick him down a, a peg or two. Um, but because my thing as well is, where does, especially someone like Nakamura, who I really thought would be, if nothing else, I thought would be treated like a superstar as they try to, you know, get the network in Japan. And we all know the Jinder Mahal stuff with India. I thought, surely that's the main reason to get Nakamura. And yet, he just seems like he's drifting to me. I don't even know where he's going at the moment. Yeah, he, he seems to have nothing to do. He seems to have been in the Survivor Series match just to be there. Yeah, um, just to be eliminated. no investment. Like, during the... I don't want to remind people it happened, but during hashtag under siege, um, like he was there. He was part of the SmackDown raid. And first of all, let me just say, it was like the opposite of a siege. It was an invasion. I know you don't want to use hashtag invasion because it will bring up bad memories, especially for you, Shane and Stephanie. But like, first of all, it wasn't a siege. Second of all, like I paid close attention to Nakamura during that quote-unquote siege and never have i seen a person physically embody their current career standing because he was just hanging around in the back smirking a bit yeah not getting involved in anything being there because it felt like he had to be there absolutely but nobody knew why or how to get him there and that seemed to be his entire deal at survivor series was he was there because WWE knows well enough that they should have him. They just don't know why. I, I almost worry like like the company doesn't know why they should have him. They think, just know they should have him. I think you're, I think that is the best description of the way they've used him today. It's almost like someone said, "Look, Vince, this guy's really good," and he's like, "But I don't get it. Just trust me, get him." And now that he's got him. It's like I know what to do with him. You just told me to get yeah. him, and here he is. Yeah, like his music gets a pop all the time. And and it seems like maybe that's all they want to do, just bring him out for the music. Yeah. I, I worry about that with Bobby Roode as well. Like, oh, so these, much. These, these guys great entrances. And I love seeing them. Like, I, I, we, we said on the, the the last podcast I was on, like, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a grand entrance. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, every time Naomi's about to come out, I get excited because that, that is just such a ridiculously cool entrance. But 
I worry that they're, they're giving people big entrances at the moment just so that they've got the pop effect and they're not worried about anything else. Yeah, I think the problem with Bobby Roode is as well, and I do love his entrance and I love his gimmick, but it, it feels so... We came up with like you know we came up with the title of the TV show first, and then we're going to work backwards with it. It, yeah. it just feels... well, I mean, the music wasn't even supposed to be his. Well, yeah, that's the yeah, and that's what it comes across as. Like, it doesn't. A lot of people disagree with me on this, and I get that. But to me, it doesn't feel like he embodies the glorious gimmick. It just feels like he was given it, and now he's doing well with it. But there's just something missing there for me, and I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's going to serve him going well going forward, especially because, like you've said, due to the entrance and how much people like it, he's come in as a babyface. And to me, Bobby Roode has always been much better as a heel. He just comes across like a bit of an asshole. He's just got that in, yeah. in a good way, in a good way. He's and got he that... still does, like, as a face. And it just doesn't... The Rock could get away with that. Yeah. Because he was just so... Oh, he, he had too much charisma. He had too much charisma to handle. So it could... It, he pulled off this acting like a complete head while remaining a, a lovable face. Um, Bobby Roode, I don't think, has the charisma for that. I agree. Um, he's got... He, he is great as a heel. Does, does really well as a heel. And he's got the body language that to, to really sum it up. His whole, you know, leading up for a big glorious chant, all that, that works. Love seeing his name in lights. When he talks at the moment, he, he, he sounds awkward and... and stunted and not too clear and again i don't blame him entirely for that because i wouldn't be too clear either if i were bobby Roode or nakamura right now well, i know and just directionless that's what that's the only thing that bothered me about the main event of survivor series is that i really i always in my world and i know pay-per-views aren't what they once were with the network but in my world you use that to especially this season like survivor series is always kind of been treated as a as a push off to, to what's going to happen at rumble and mania and for those for all those guys to come away with nothing really like you know Balor, joe rude nakamura i'm sure there's someone else i'm forgetting but to come out of it with nothing seems really silly for me i mean you know credit yeah. credit where... i think the only guy who who really got anything out of it was uh was stroman i, I, was I think he was the only one literally what i was about to say yeah i mean kudos to wwe for doing it with him but you're right, that was it, right? Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And I will say, like, you know, because I'm in the same boat as you. I'm like, I I do have a real soft soft spot for Triple H. It's just it gets to a point where I'm like, steady on, mate. Like, like, <laughs> so, like just scale it. You, you can, you of all people can afford to scale back how great you are in, in the public eye. You're minted. You're done. You're 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 like you're where you need to be. Yeah. You're solid. You don't need a push. Um, but I will say that that for as much as he put himself over that night, the look of like strangled fear in his eyes when Bro, uh, I almost called him Broman <laughs> when that Strowman works. had him in the corner. <laughs> it does. When Strowman had him choked up in the corner, like. I've never seen someone self-fear that well. And it might just be because you, you rarely see it off someone like Triple H. But, again, that, that's part of the reason why Strowman benefited so much was it's like, oh, my God, he's making the game cower like a child in the corner. And, and just, I'll never forget that look that was etched on Triple H's face, like red-faced, wide-eyed, almost tears in his eyes. Yeah. Like, I am terrified of this man. And that's awesome. And, and that was about the only real thing they got. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's the only thing they got right in that match. Like, 
seeing Nakamura and Bobby Roode get excited and getting a piece of Triple H in the ring, like there was a special moment to that. And they that worked well. It, it was really up until Nakamura got eliminated and then people were like, oh, now we see where this is going. Um, up until then, it was a really fun match. And and I think overall Survivor Series as a show was, was, a, was a fun show. Uh, obviously, as with, you know, I've learned this now after a year, any weekend that has a WWE pay-per-view following and NXT one will suffer. Uh, this much I've learned already. Uh, but for what it was, it was good. That's also reminded me, I just need to say, I was al- it was already like my most anticipated match of War Games, just because I am in complete love with the two men involved. I know you're going to say but it. it- yeah, but <laughs> Alistair Black, yes. Velveteen Dream, one hundred, no, one thousand percent exceeded my expectations. Oh yeah, I mean the build had already been great. The way they play off each other with the showmanship is—it's just been beautiful. But to the way they went in that match, from the 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 reveal of the tights with "Say My Name" across the crotch oh, so and good. the faces on it. To them doing each other's um, body language, like like poses and things, to obviously the wrestling itself was was stellar, and the 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 story it told and the way it ended with both both guys winning basically, yeah, like regardless of who got the pinfall, um, I think even on commentary they said like like both men won this, and to, I mean to see Houston cheering for a character like Velveteen Dream chanting say his name say his name and velveteen velveteen like was special it really and was I think that is honestly this this is gonna sound hyperbolic especially because we're talking about wwe products where everything is etched in history and will go down forever um despite the fact it never does um i will say that that is probably one of the one of the most entertaining and fun matches I've ever seen out of that company. No, I agree. Like, I... like WD NXT combined, all of it. That is one of the favorite matches I've ever seen. I am so in love. I, I will go back and watch that one many times. And I was already in love with Velveteen. I already really liked Alistair. After this, I'm just I'm, I'm so on board with both of them, and I am. Oh, I, I'm 100% on board the the Velveteen Dream Train. I everything about him, I love. I think it ties into what we were saying at the start as well, right? He embraced it. He's embraced. I mean, that gimmick that gimmick on paper is like what? What are you talking about? But the way but the way he comes out, he believes it. And I think that is a lost art in pro wrestling. He believes in that character he believes in that gimmick and he doesn't hold back with it he embraces it fully and because of that i can embrace it too i can just accept okay this is the person you are and i'll go along i'll go along for the ride and i think you i mean i'm sure i'm not the only person to have compared him to gold dust um but it's that similar sort of i think that there there are major differences between them where obviously velveteen's gone for this um prince style um yeah. gimmick along with the you know, this overly sexualized, ambiguous persona. But it's that same sort of just complete commitment to it and selling it so well that even as a, a, an ostensible heel, you hear women in the in the crowd screaming for him. <laughs> Simply, and I don't even think, 
not to say he's not attractive, because, I mean, obviously, there's a reason they gave him the gimmick they gave him with all of the writhing and the hipping, you know, hip swaying and sashaying. Um, but I feel like the women are screaming because they're buying into the idea that that's part of the Velveteen gimmick is, of course, some people in the crowd should be groupies and be screaming like teenagers for him. Um, and, and And people just seem so into it. And, and even the people who seem to boo him, I, I get this sense that they're enjoying it. And, I totally And agree. that's what you want to see in, a, in a, a bad guy, especially these days where it's so hard to be one. Exactly. And I think that's why I just get such a kick out of it. Because, and also, NXT does this perfectly, nearly, especially when they're building up to their takeover shows. But the stories they tell are just so simple. And you can get into them really with one promo package. And sometimes on the main roster, that's not true because they go here, there and everywhere. But really, you could have told, if you had sat down to watch this with someone that hadn't watched any of it, you could really just say, well, look, that Alistair guy, you know, he, he doesn't really like this Velveteen guy. And all this Velveteen guy wants is a bit of respect. And that's being summarized in that he wants him to say his name. That's it. That's the whole story. And, and you're straight away, as opposed to, you know, some of the absolute roller coasters they go on in the main roster. And I think that's where I get... Uh, amazed that it doesn't sort of uh, carry over because that's all you've got to do. I, even if it is because we've been telling complicated stories for too long, we can go back, again, it all ties in, but we can go back to these characters that are over the top and audacious. And we can go back to times when storylines are just, this dude hates this dude because of X, now they're going to have a fight. And NXT does that so well all the time. And I just, it makes it so much easier to watch. You look at the authors of Pain Come Out, you know what they're about. Yeah. You, you can just see them someone. and know what they're about. Uh, same, same with Sanity. They come out, you know what they're about. Alistair Black, like, it's, it's there etched all over him. Um, and and it's, it's just not true of a lot of people who just get diluted when they, they, they get lost up in that roster of weird, complex storylines that don't need to be so complex. And people who are just guys milling about <laughs> so many of them lust. so many of them at the moment so many i mean not well but, i mean even the most complicated story of war games was at heart quite simple um you know it, it got complicated with you know undisputed era which i've got a problem with that name because a group of people calling themselves a period of time <laughs> is is just setting me off um, as much as as much as I'm enjoying them as a faction, then just please just call yourself undisputed or, or, or undisputed anything that isn't some time. Um, but you know there was com complexity there with oh they cost these people this they sanity don't like AOP because of this yeah. and Roderick Strong was going to join Undisputed Era but didn't. But even then, it basically boiled down to th three groups hated each other so much and were doing too much of the fighting that that regal was like stop it go in a cage and fight and 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 it was still you know that one had twists and turns but still at its heart had had a very simple foundation of you know these guys came in started taking liberties all hell broke loose put them in a cage Exactly. And, and, who, and a lot of people, I didn't really understand this. They thought that the war games was too crazy. I was like, what, what, what did you think it was going to be? Like, you, can't, you can't have all that hardware and not make it a little bit over the top. You'd be, you'd be doing a disservice to the whole thing. And I mean, a, a match as, as stuffed with, with rules, uh, uncharacteristic for the, 
for the product oh, yeah. as war games. And they did they did fantastic with it, I thought, considering it's it's always felt like a very cumbersome, overly complex idea to me. Um and then they they worked with it and, and made something that I was I was pretty hooked on. Yeah, me too. I thought that whole show was great. I didn't think it had a bad a bad moment, and it's. I, I mean, it benefits in the sense that they're short, and that's always gonna you know that's always gonna help. But still, they rarely fumble NXT, and I and I that's that's why you know it's just great. It is. It's just a really good product. That's it's just nothing I'd say. Um, what I did want to touch upon with you before I forget transitioning back into the main roster is that obviously since we last chatted, our friend Roman Reigns has reunited with his boys, The Shield. And a lot has happened. Now, he had somewhat of a throwaway match on Survivor Series, had a good match with The New Day, but it opened the show, and then that was done. But then, of course, 24 hours later, he relieved The Miz of the Intercontinental Championship, and he sent the internet into a fury <laughs> as they saw Roman Reigns getting yet more preferential treatment. I said it last time. I've said it a lot. I'll say it again. I don't mind Roman Reigns. I don't necessarily think he's the face of the company, but I think he's a very good wrestler who I enjoy... I mean, where are you at with all of this? You know, IC Champ could help the belt as far as I'm concerned. I mean, yeah, I I don't have a problem with this. Um, The Miz has had the title for a long time. There's no doubt he's going to get it another time. He he will have that belt again. And, you know, fingers crossed he's got a universal run in him. I mean, while Brock Lesnar has been not around, he is the top heel on Raw. That there's there's no question about it. Most shows in the in the way that a lot of SmackDowns have been built around Owens and Zayn, uh, a lot of Raws get built entirely around the Miz. He's one of the few guys who have who who'll have like running storylines throughout shows now, which again is a little bit throwback. The, these days, everything's sort of very often self-contained segments. But the Miz will have a running storyline with his Miz Taraj, and they will be often funny and like his bug-eyed performances are fantastic um you know i'm not saying anything new about the Miz. like you can easily trip over on the internet and find some praise for the Miz, and especially his recent run um but he doesn't necessarily need the intercontinental title right now um he is still the top heel right now there's no taking that away from him and a desperate Miz trying to get it back will make for, I think, a very good program. Um, and and whatever he does beyond there, Raw's really got no choice but to keep him at the top. I mean, what are they going to do? Like, give Bray Wyatt a win? They they seem so against that. that he's vanished. Where did, where, they're not going to do that. He's vanished from TV the last two weeks. Where he, he beat up Jason Jordan and then that's it. He hasn't been. Bray Wyatt is a, is a ghost. Yeah, I I don't know what what's going on there. Obviously, they've decided that Sister Abigail that that bringing out uh, let's face it, one of the characters you'd find in the atmosphere board game. Um, <laughs> they, they they decided against that. They thought that was a little bit. Silly. Uh, that is brilliant. I mean, like I said, I'm all for silliness, but but that was uh, too much. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even think Sister Abigail as an alter ego would have been too much. But like, don't don't. Don't make him look like the character <laughs> I do was a joke on one of my YouTube shows with ghastly white face paint and, and clownish red lipstick. Uh. And then they try and hide how bad that looks with a veil. Like, I think if you'd have put like a like an eyes wide shut feminine looking mask or something on his face and had him 
like like try like and and some sort of like robes that aren't necessarily like a dress or anything but could be you know yeah something a, a bit more unisex but but flowy um honestly i i think sis there is something that can be done with sister abigail what was done was not to be done but i'm i'm so not against the idea that he could have made a sister abigail or ego work against the demon it's just it wasn't gonna be that way that wasn't the way to do well, it just the voice changing stuff this... as well was it's too much for me yeah. it's just too silly i noticed when they played a repeat of one of the segments they they changed the voice oh did they really uh, oh so i missed that yeah they they actually took the dual voice off on a replay at one point and it was just bray speaking in a bit of a higher pitched voice oh man um which was creepier it wasn't as comical but it was still a bit too a bit too stupid <laughs> um honestly at this point bray needs to just and i thought this is where it was going when they kept before we brought the sister abigail is alive stuff they kept cutting to him in a rocking chair losing his mind about being lied to and honestly i thought it was time for the, the unraveling of the eater of worlds persona and this idea that Bray Wyatt, the man, realises he's not a god and is desperately trying to convince himself and everyone else that he is. That's a good story. And that, yeah, like that's where I thought they were going. Like That's where it needs to go because no one buys him as an otherworldly entity. No one buys him as an eater of worlds. Lean into that. Like, have it that even Bray now, after this string of losses, after a humiliating year isn't powerful isn't untouchable isn't a, you know the devil and has to either come to terms with that or spiral into complete delusion and have that be the focal point and finn balor came close to pointing that out at some points during their feud but but never went all the way with it um eventually snapped back to trying to sell us on this idea that oh when bray showed me sister abigail i was scared what? <laughs> I expected him to tell me to pick up a card and read it out. Um, they, they, they really should have just gone back to this idea that even maybe with the Sister Abigail thing, like he's just so desperate now to keep some mystique that he's putting clowns makeup on. Like They honestly would get more mileage out of Bray Wyatt if they made him pathetic on purpose I, I, instead of pathetic by accident. I, I, that You just hit the nail on the head. That's the problem is they try and book him like he's this terrifying, scary dude, and he's not. He's not. I feel like I could beat Bray Wyatt if I turned up in WWE tomorrow because they just they just never, you know, it's, 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 the, it's Boy Who Cried Wolf, right? Eventually, people just don't believe you anymore. And that, again, it ties into everything we've been saying where I've got to be able to believe. If I, if I was in charge, I would reset Bray Wyatt entirely. I know a lot of people like his entrance. I'd change his music. I'd change everything because I just think right now it's gone too far down the wrong path. Uh, I mean, to the fact that he had—I don't—he was not on Raw this week, as far as I know, and I haven't heard anyone even mention it. No one even said, "Oh, where's Bray Wyatt?" He wasn't even a thought in people's minds, which I think. Like I've got—I—I I, I know when we last spoke, I was really high on on Bray. Um, the intervening months have gotten me to see exactly what everyone else was saying about him. Yeah. So now I'm I'm completely there with everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, a, a, a reset at this point, or or as I say, like make the 
make the fact that he is looking pathetic on accident a, a benefit. Yeah. And have him unravel and have him cling to an idea that we all know is not true, but he is still trying to convince himself is. Uh, that, I think... Like, even if they keep the music in the entrance, just have it a bit more unhinged. Like, have him, like, desperately trying to convince people that this whole Firefly thing means something. Um, like, command the audience to sing along with him. Like, like, like try and get the, the, the crowd to back up his insecurities and his delusions. That's where they... That, that's the best place to take him now that they've... they've brought him where he is i totally agree um, that sounds yeah. it straight away it sounds interesting and fascinating as well if you because i think he's a good enough actor's a bad term but we'll go with it he's a good enough actor to pull it off because he's very good you know at verbiage and delivery and all that kind of stuff yes so I, I yeah i love hearing him talk even 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 now when i know it's complete bollocks and will lead to a loss <laughs> i he's still got a, a an engaging charisma that keeps people like it keeps the crowd quiet when they'd normally want to go what during yeah. some of the rambling gibberish that comes out of his mouth people still are kind of a bit enraptured to him he he pulls off the the charismatic preacher thing really well absolutely absolutely and, and, and it's just that is i think that's why it's a real shame i think anybody else probably would have been getting more of a free pass but because you see his talent and because you know he's so good it becomes frustrating because like this, this, yeah, it's, it's tragic. Yeah, because this character should have been the next coming of the Undertaker, or you know, however you want to describe it. But instead, you know, it's more—I can't even think of a comparison. But you know, it, it's, it's fallen flat already, and we're only—I mean, he's been around a while, four years or so. But you know, it's been the last twelve to eighteen months when people have been banging this drum. So you know, the, the longer you keep banging it, the, for, the further somebody falls into the ground, and eventually, you do really have to take a look at it and go, "Well, we've killed this." So, you know, so, so what yeah. do we do? And trying to take... And like you said, like, no one, no one cared where he was. No. Like, I, I, I was curious, but not enough to voice it. Like, I, I, and, and as I say, I, I desperately want him to, because, because when, when I was watching in, in ye olde days, you know, <laughs> I gravitated towards characters like Kane. I love Kane, you know, yeah. The, the supernatural, the masked, the mysterious, creepy, the villainous, of course. You know, Kane, Mankind, that sort of stuff. That's my bag. Um, and it, it, it reminds me of uh, the, the guy I keep putting over in the, the, the local indies out here, um, Zombie Dragon, uh, who basically looks like a danger from the Elder Scrolls. <laughs> uh, like, I just, I love all that. I love the, like, like anything creepy over the top masks and, and and hoods and all of that it's just damn do something with it yeah because he's got it he's got it but uh, uh, yes. you mentioned it about you've got to have the support of the booking committee and i'm sure they think what they're doing is really good but it's not it's not uh you mentioned the indie scene which i want to get to in one sec i just want your opinions on brock lesnar versus aj styles from survivor series because to me that was not only the best match of the show it's one of my favorite matches of the year i just like seeing a big dude beat up a small dude who then manages to sort of get his opening against the big dude and then fight back it's just it's my favorite match or just pick do two big dudes absolutely maul each other uh what did you think about it all though i mean were you as high on it as everybody else uh it was it was a classic match and and i mean that in multiple senses of the word um you know it it was a classic it was a classic keep both guys strong affair yeah it was a classic underdog match yep. it was a classic 
big guy comes in, beats the tar out of this guy. There's a hope spot as the other one just does some fantastic clawing back, takes him to the limit and ends up gaining respect. Um, told a very, again, as we were talking about with NXT, what made it work. I think what made it work was the fact that it was a last minute change. And and they only had a week or two to sell. It. They had like two shows. They had two promos to sell this. They had Paul Heyman selling it on Raw. They had Daniel Bryan selling it on SmackDown. And it was all it needed. And as a result, without the complexity, with it just being... I mean, part of what makes Brock Lesnar work, and I've said... I, I mean, I've, I said the last time we talked, I'm not a big... I'm not really into Brock Lesnar. I don't really see it. But I will give him credit that any match with him is already a built-in story because everyone wants to beat Brock Lesnar. So he never needs an interesting story. He never needs a swerve betrayal. He never needs a, 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 a gimmick. He just has to show up and be Brock Lesnar. Yes, true. And, and that does deserve respect to have gotten yourself into that position where... The story is your Brock Lesnar. Like that's that's all that's all, that all it ever is. Um, it, it's be it Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe. Um, it, it's all about I. I just want to beat Brock Lesnar. Um, and it's part of what keeps Asuka strong as well. Is is she doesn't need massive storylines. It's I want to beat Asuka for sake. <laughs> yeah. um, so from that affair, like it was one of the one of the most anticipated matches on the card for me, despite me never, ever caring about a Brock Lesnar match, because it, it didn't need anything. It, it just needed AJ Styles to do what AJ Styles does. He's amazing. And he's another one who, at first, I wasn't all that into him because he seemed, again, to me, like one of these, just a guy. Just he, he not in terms of his ability, but in terms of... Oh, his persona. His persona. Absolutely. You're totally right with that, yeah. But even then, after like again, it's 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 he's only had the title a very short time, but in that time, he's he's been selling me on on who he is as a as a guy as well as a performer, because uh, he just has some energy to him now. I felt like um, not certainly not to the degree of Nakamura or Rude, but for a while he was sort of in a little bit of a holding pattern. But now he he has a, a a momentum and a direction. Like I, I I see it now. Now I see a full package there that I'm all into. So yeah, really into it. And and that match was just uh, it, it was magnetic. It, it was it. I I I've never been so tuned into a, a match with Lesnar in it. Um, and and huge credit, of course. So that goes to AJ Styles. Who... I think he's the best. I think he's my favorite wrestler in the world. In terms of in-ring ability, I think I put him as number one. I enjoy all of his matches. And it's hard to hard to counter at all. Hard to counter that. He had a good match with Jinder Mahal. That, that's, a, that, that's, what I, that's what I always go back to. And I like Jinder Mahal. I got nothing against him, but he's not a very... I don't like to say he's not a good pro wrestling because pro wrestling is really hard. And he, he hasn't made it there by fluke. But he's not as good as AJ Styles. That's a better way to put it. He's not... Well, that's putting it quite like... Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, AJ gave him the best match of his run, um, Jinder. He gave Jinder the best match of his run and gave Brock Lesnar a fantastic match. And kudos to Lesnar. I mean, he, he sold... Oh, man, wonderfully. ...limping out of that. He sold the idea that 
he took he took AJ lightly and paid for it. Even though he came out the winner, he he paid a pri- he paid a physical price yeah. for underestimating AJ Styles, which exact it's exactly the sort of story you want to tell with a guy with AJ Styles build in WWE. Totally agree. In a world where size is seen to dominate so much, <laughs> you want to tell the story of like Heyman said, speed kills. You want to tell the story of don't. Don't overlook AJ Styles because he will find a way to leave you in pain. Mm, that calf crusher spot as well, when Lesnar was was selling like, well, no pun intended, selling like a beast, and then he just smashed AJ Styles' face into the floor. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. Like it was, that was like a like you'd see in a like a, a comic book superhero <laughs> yeah. movie style thing, like this huge guy just yelling in pain because the little guy got him in a you know, in his weakness, and then just to grab his face. Like, I've seen I've seen people get out the calf crusher with a smash of AJ's head, but the multiple smash, smash, <laughs> smash was... It was done so well. It was done really well. It was a very well-storied match, and I think it, it only benefited from having such little build. I, I, I hadn't thought of that. I think you're spot on. It made it more exciting. It was like a shot of uh, adrenaline from nowhere. You're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we're going to get this. And then it was here. So that you were still riding that wave. Yeah. Yeah. It was this showcase of, yeah, these guys don't have personal beef. They just want to fight and show their best. Yeah. They just want to win. And, and, and yeah. And, and, and it made both guys come out strong. And obviously, Lesnar doesn't need to come out strong. But obviously, he's got that universal title languishing around his waist and not really doing much. So they. And it's clear that the WWE wants to kind of make that a big deal. Um, so everyone kind of kind of came out of that looking really good. And the match itself told the perfect kind of simple story that, that was needed. I agree. I, I totally agree. It's my, definitely my favorite match. Now, we teach we're going to talk about uh, the indie scene, which, which we'll do now. I mean, do you, do you want to start with the cool stuff that you've got coming up, or do you want to keep that <laughs> on the down low for now? That could just be a tease um, that I throw out there and never actually capitalize on. Uh, I mean, there's been, there's been some public talking about it. I don't want to give too much away. I know some people are already like, oh, Jim, with his back, like, he's just not <laughs> well, seriously going to step into a ring and take bumps. Is it's he? a point. Um, <laughs> I'm not a professional wrestler, and I'm not going to be. Um, but on my my uh, weekly show that I do uh, about video games, uh, it started as a joke to make fun of WWE's overzealous use of, of, of its copyright on YouTube. And oh, man, they're awful, aren't they? Good grief. Yeah, yeah. They, they ding me really bad because I used a couple of seconds of... Um, Stone Cold's ridiculous CGI head from I think it was like Unforgiven 2002. Oh yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, I remember seeing that one. Yeah. Just this hilarious triple-headed, yeah. like like <laughs> a big Stone Cold head with two little heads coming out the top. It was hilarious, <laughs> and I just used it for a bit of B-roll for a laugh. And rather than just demonetize or try and slap ads on the show, um, they WWE are able to use content ID to just take a video down entirely. It's just crazy. So I. Yeah, now ordinarily a YouTuber would just, you know, make an angry YouTube video about how WWE sucks. But I I, I pride myself on being the greatest showman in games media. <laughs> so I paid to have my own theme tune written 
um, uh, pay to have my own, and they needed a lot of spandex. This was a costly affair. <laughs> I got my own spandex bodysuit made and made a character that was 100% legally distinct from anything WWE has ever done. And also wonderful. Um, there's, there's also a wonderful <laughs> creation. I guarantee you that Stardust... <laughs> is in no way affiliated with World Wrestling Entertainment, is 100% the legal property of the Jimquisition and Jim Sterling Entertainment. Um, and looks he looks fantastic in a bodysuit. <laughs> and I had this idea for doing a little bit of a crossover thing with uh, Pro Wrestling Ego, which is uh, an indie promotion down here in Mississippi. I thought, you know, we'll, we'll do a little bit of a fun crossover thing get some of their wrestlers on the jimquisition do something uh funny and 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 crossovery and it kind of spiraled a little bit out of con no not out of control it's just that it built wonderfully pro pro wrestling ego had a better idea than i had and they have publicly challenged stardust to uh appear at one of their upcoming shows they certainly they have showing yeah, they got a show in Byram on the second, which I will be attending in the audience. Uh, and I don't know if Stardust will be there, but Stardust has definitely, as as his representative, my client Stardust has accepted Pro Wrestling Ego's challenge, and and we'll show them what a winner looks like at the end of the day. That that's that's what he's there to do. Um, but that's in his words. Uh, in the words of Jim Sterling, who went to see their Great Southern Eight tournament um, this this past month, uh, I was blown away. Um, I, I, you know, I've, I've seen independent wrestling here and there before, um, mostly YouTube and the like. Uh, this was my first taste of it up close, and my first taste of the the local guys down here. Um, they had representatives from all the southern states. It's a yearly tournament they do. Um, some fantastic talent came out. Uh, Ray Fury is is sort of the big guy down here. He's, he's pro wrestling egos main guy. Uh, Ray Fury is, I mean, his frog splash elbow is a sight to behold. That even sounds good. Um, yeah, he does a he does a fantastic, beautiful frog splash elbow. If you look at the um, the Jimquisition that went up, uh, it's called I think. Uh, bugger me, the Nintendo Switch is killing it. <laughs> uh, if you look at that episode, there's a montage of clips at the end that show off some of these guys. Um, you get to see some of Ray Fury, um, O'Shea Edwards, who represented Georgia. O'Shea Edwards is is wonderful. Huge amount of energy when you see him in the ring. Big guy, big but limber. Uh, his match with Ray Fury was, was beautiful. Beautiful stuff. Uh, Eric Wayne, uh, who... Came up with one of the most inventive... I'm actually looking at his GIF, which I think he took from our montage, actually, um, because he, not many people caught good footage of it. And we didn't catch great footage of it because a uh, little boy's head's mostly in the way. <laughs> but Eric Wayne um, pulled off a beautiful heel move in that he took his own newborn son, his one-year-old boy, I think he's like a couple months year old, and used him as a weapon. That's incredible. Held him up like the friggin' Lion King. Uh, swung him. Uh, and I think it, it may have been O'Shea. It may have been an O'Shea match. Um, and he sold the living heck. I love it. Out of being lightly brushed in the face by a baby's feet. <laughs> was 
crawling to the floor, at which point Eric Wayne comes up behind him, lifts the baby high up, and does a double stomp to his head. <laughs> the baby double stomp, which again, he just sells like there's no tomorrow. It's just brilliant. And, and it was fantastic. Um, I also want to give a shout out to a wrestler who, he wrestled in sort of the, the opener, um, sort of, for people who paid and got in early. So, you know, full lights were up. It wasn't a massive deal. So I think he's very new. I don't know too much about him. But from what I've seen of his gimmick, like if I were to ever do sort of any full-time managing stuff like we, we, we talked about last time, I think that guy's got the, the gimmick that I would just love to expand upon. I mean, first off, he comes, he comes down to the ring checking his Twitter. I love that straight. This is why I love indie stuff. You just it, It's so inventive. It's just great. He comes down, just strolls down, checking his phone like he's not too bothered. The moment he sees the camera, he starts playing just to the camera. Just to the camera. Not really bothered about the crowd. Um, good in-ring performer. You know, really entertained. Uh, 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 a great match. But the name is what really sells it. His name is Lights Cameron Action. <laughs> uh, I love pro wrestling. Pro wrestling is my <laughs> favourite thing just, in the world. I, I am very much, like I've said, it's, it's the same thing as Velveteen Dream. It's like you show me, you show me something unwarrantedly for the character ridiculous. The small name, big ego kind of character. And and you call him Lights Cameron Action, and I'm all about it. So I'm, I'm really excited to see more of him. And I also want to talk just briefly about the Path of Nightmares, who are just everything I love about wrestling in a group, all coming out. Masks, obviously. <laughs> I always. One of, yeah, one of them, um, like a, a almost a like a leather face mask not not quite leather face but you sort of i mean he's coming out where the only other thing he's wearing is uh denim dungarees so he's got this full like deliverance look to him um and there's zombie dragon who first of all again love the name best name um comes out with a burning book you know open open book fire in the pages um, does all the, the tricks, you know, throws fireballs, does the green mist, um, has a, I, I, I'm not quite sure of the, the person's name. It wasn't said at the, the rates of the night, but one of the minions, there's like lots of them. One of the minions is, um, maybe they're called prank. I think uh, they, they're, they're like a black and red court jester meets Cobra commander in their dress. Oh, okay. Uh, but very slender and, and crawls about. And their main thing is getting in onto the ring and then on each side coming out onto the apron just to scream at the audience. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Path of Light, there's another, another group I'm very up on. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about that. So Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Ego is something that, that has caught my attention down here. And I'm looking forward to, uh, I guess, working alongside them. I can't wait. the best way to put it. I can't wait. And I think the other great thing is that you mentioned some, uh, some pleasant people on the internet that were going, oh, you just watched WWE, rah, rah, as if that's some kind of problem. As if, like, how dare you just enjoy one form of entertainment, Jim? But I think the best thing about it is, is that 
you know, as we all do when we get back into wrestling, eventually by one way, you know, be it by talking to a company, by stumbling across them, we all find indie wrestling eventually. And usually, eventually, yeah. yeah. And and usually, it's awesome because they're not. Uh, there's no red tape. There's no barriers. There's no obstacles. It's really look. You just go do whatever, and if you can get yourself over, that's great. And I just I think that is kind of what adds to the whole fun. You buy into the. It's like everything, right? When you start watching movies, you go to the big triple A's, and then eventually you probably find independent films and realize that they have their own. Uh, positives as well so i think it's great yeah, yeah when you get when you get into something it kind of you know it gets infectious and i i'm not fully following it yet i, I need to find the time to well that's the other the, thing yeah to the rest but you know i've been slowly turning my eye towards your ring of honor and and all of that stuff um predominantly because you know i know cody rhodes is there and i just adore him yeah uh, i i i love i mean i'm you know, I, I now dress up in spandex and call myself Stardust. I clearly <laughs> adore Cody Rhodes. Not that Stardust is in any way no. related to anything anyone has ever done. Completely ever. unique. Absolutely original. My property. OC do not steal. So don't <laughs> don't go chomping on my flavour. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I like him and, and I want to sort of follow that more and more. And, and, and yeah, I, I'm just getting so much more like it was back when I, before I got disillusioned and drifted away, um, the infections come back. Uh, and I guess it, I guess it doesn't go away because as again, we, we discussed last time, not to keep referencing last time we spoke, but we talked about how my, my show, the Jimquisition has always been refer uh, influenced in some way by wrestling. Yeah. Both of um, us. Yeah. The reason it has the theme music, it has the reason I wear a costume instead of just talk completely over game footage like a lot of youtubers the whole reason i have a shtick i have a gimmick is because i was a huge wrestling fan as a younger guy and when now that i've come back to it and and as i say the infection spreads and i have been getting to know the indie scene more and more it it, it reminds me just how much the jimquisition itself and that persona and the fact of the idea of a YouTuber game critic with a gimmick, you know, owes to that. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of how much I owe that. I owe to that, rather. You and me both, man. I think we both we both managed to use wrestling well, yes. to find uh, to find the success. So. I think, uh, yeah, the Miller Report is is an even bigger example. I, think. <laughs> I ripped I mean, it off. You, you went as far as having wrestling matches in the middle of Miller Report, uh, if I remember correctly, I, I just, complete with commentators. I just ripped it off. Uh, we all, I don't say I, it was, it was a team effort. We all just ripped it off. We all ripped off WWE. Uh, well, I'm genuinely excited to see what you do with Pro Wrestling Eagle. Like, genuinely, like, you know, I, I, I genuinely can't wait. I cannot wait. I think it's awesome. Um, I would also like to point out that you, I mean, you should definitely go and check out Jim's YouTube channel, Jim Sterling. Uh, on YouTube, and you should also watch. Uh, I can never pronounce it properly, but commentocracy. I can't. How do you say it? Uh, I can never say it right. Commentocracy. There we go. Commentocracy, which is one of my favourite characters I've seen in years. The first time I saw, oh, my, I died. I think I died. I laughed so much. So you should definitely yeah. all go and check that out because that really is a work of art. I mean, everything you do is, but that that really tickled me something fierce. So thank you. Yeah, we had a lot of fun doing that. The the season one wraps up of commentocracy. Season two will probably be. Not so much a season as just a, a perpetual thing that's done a lot less frequently. Um, we're we're retooling the costume. I'm I'm adding to the costume. Oh, that excites me. That excites me. A little bit closer to Hugh Laurie from Blackadder the Third <laughs> in terms of getting a nice waistcoat and everything. A little, a few more frills. Um, he'll look a bit more authentic. 
um, but will still be a ghastly 18th century aristocrat <laughs> reading out internet comments Just for people's enjoyment. So good, so good. It, uh, every, yeah, but genuinely, if, if you don't know Jim's work, and you should definitely go find him. He's on Twitter at Jim Sterling. Search for Jim Sterling on YouTube. And obviously, if you're in the Mississippi area, go check out Pro Wrestling Ego, right? Yes, Pro Wrestling Ego, um, which is also their Twitter handle if you want to check them out. And uh, yeah, hashtag Pro Wrestling Ego as well. And hashtag kill the business, just for a little shout out to Zombie Dragon. Love it. Absolutely um, love it. There we go. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me as always, Jim. Like I said, oh, Thank you for inviting me again. Complete pleasure as always. I tell you, man, I said it last time, I say it again. I genuinely enjoy chatting wrestling with you. It's, it's, it's just awesome. You have such a good take. I mean, people can throw silly, silly nonsense at you, but I would say you've got a much better take than most people I talk to about pro wrestling. <laughs> and it, it, it genuinely... Well, it's like I used to say, because... You know, when I was a young kid, man, I used to argue on internet forums and I was part of, you know, the IWC <laughs> arguing all the time with other IWC members. And I, I said even back then, and I still say it now, like like 15, going on 20, I think, probably closer to 20 than 15 years on. Um, you know, I, I don't know a lot about sports. I don't know. I, I, I'm not a pro wrestling historian i can't tell you about how to put on a good match but i know entertainment absolutely and, yeah and and that's sort of the take i can bring i would never tell a wrestler how to do their job i would never dare to presume but i like to think i know enough about entertainment to add to that element of the of the discussion you know well, uh, and then that's where i try and come come at it from as, as an entertainer who knows entertainment and is always uh, very focused on that side of the the business. Uh, you know, I love the matches. Of course I do. Uh, I wouldn't watch it if I was just there for entrances. I'd, I'd <laughs> just watch a supercut of entrances. Um, but that's not my expertise. You know, I, I can tell when a match is bad and when it is good, but I won't be able to tell you much more than that. Um, I, just love, I just love entertainers, and pro wrestlers are incredible entertainers who do more for their who do more for a crowd than many people you know many people in any entertainment industry would do indeed in terms of what they put on the line yeah exactly put their bodies and they put a lot of other stuff on the line as well uh, well I, I i genuinely think you've got a great take on the, on the whole pro wrestling stuff hopefully we can catch up after after raw rumble and then we can have our big episode i would of love that Royal Rumble is my favourite of, of the pay-per-views. Mine, uh, mine too. Up, that was always my favourite. It's just the it's, best. I, I'm a big, yeah, big Rumble fan. And then we obviously will have to catch up after WrestleMania and we can all just cry after watching <laughs> seven and a half hours of wrestling just to see Roman <laughs> Reigns. It is too much. It, just to see Roman Reigns win again. But we, yeah. <laughs> we, will, we will see what happens. Honestly, man, thank you so much for joining me. We'll definitely have you on again whenever you're free, to be honest, because it's just excellent. Um, if you are listening on iTunes right now, please give us a little five-star rating. Give us a review. It puts us up the rankings, and that is what it's all about. It's getting the Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast out there. And all of this, of course, is fueled by patreon.com forward slash Simon316. Even if you give a dollar, you make my heart smile. More importantly, make sure you look out for potentially Stirdust at Pro Wrestling Ego. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? But more importantly, Jim, thanks very much for joining me, and we'll catch up soon. Yeah.